people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast myself deluded guna the really and truly podcast the dg podcast the deluded podcast whatever you want to call it i'm I'm just appreciative that you're here and if you're listening to this or coming across this for the first time you know make sure you've hit the follow button on spotify and whatever it is on apple and make sure you've checked out the descriptions to follow me across my socials bulk of my content comes out via youtube i know you've liked what you're locked into now me people is 6 12 12 minutes past 6 a.m over here in the uk and it's a tuesday you don't know when there's monday football we'll be speaking on a tuesday and to be fair with you it's it's you know it's christmas and it is tight for content but you're still going to get your preview of the weekend's games or boxing fixtures games or those games beyond as well as reviewing football that's happened already and there's still going to be a bulk of my content so the grind don't stop it really doesn't i'm not gonna allow i want to take christmas off but it is what it is people and i'd also like to say i'd also like to say you know I'm, i really appreciate those of you who are my consistent supporters who have been pushing me and supporting me via youtube because i've hit thirty thousand subscribers hopefully this time next year i get to double that and can talk about 60 and and, and beyond that um, and i wish the same for you and all the goals in your own lives that you want to accomplish but it is what it is now let's talk about the Premier League. Let's start about let's start with Liverpool now. Seven people. Seven. Seven. I I, I actually have to I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I watched that game. I'm pretty sure I saw seven goals, but it's one of them ones where I can't I can't I can't deep it. It's been a crazy Premier League year, people. It's been a crazy... The wickedest thing is Liverpool are going to run away with the league and they actually lost 7-2 and they put 7 against Palace, people. I don't believe it. You know, as a, as a, as a fan of a neutral and if I was a Liverpool fan, you can't help but admire it. You know, first and foremost, what I like is there's injuries in their team and there has been injuries and obviously players are returning but you have not seen a significant drop off in this Liverpool team of course you can see evidently certain caliber of players are missing of course games have been tougher than it needs to be maybe even potentially drop points they don't need to and maybe even by Liverpool standards struggled by their own high standards in some degree that's for Liverpool fans to tell you but for me, I see it as admirable because it's it's already easy to admire a club side. The way he's put his blueprint on it. The one thing I like is their mentality. And, I, I, and it's down to the players as well because Klopp doesn't need to tell them. But I like the way Klopp inspires people, man. It's not an underdogs thing. But I can tell like every player, even the average players within those Liverpool teams, they're thinking is elite. Like They think they can go out there and beat anybody and things. And from a psychological point of view, I really admire that. Of course, they've got technical quality. Of course, you can see an evolution of his side. And what I like is the elite mentality. You know, Mane, in a healthy way, angry to be sub. Salah, Salah look vexed that he's on the bench, you know. Everybody looked hungry. The whole team, they scored seven. They were trying to slaughter Roy Hudson, their former manager, and, and, and Crystal Palace and really damage confidence. I don't even think it was a damage confidence thing. I just think Liverpool are chasing perfection. So whenever they deem they aren't perfect, um, they're going to be issues. And obviously, you have to praise yourself. But even Henderson's comments, he was saying, look, we weren't really happy about this, that and the other. So they're hungry. And when you aim for, the, for, 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 the, for, for Mars, you end up with the stars. That's fairly decent. And... Liverpool are running riot, man. They're going to win the league, in my opinion. You know, who is challenging them? I know Leicester are second. I know Spurs have been there. I know after the results, you know, a lot of talk around United potentially being in the debate is now there. People are never going to rule out City, although, what, they're like 11 points or so off it. But 
Liverpool have a fantastic chance of regaining the title, retaining it better yet. And if they do retain it, having claimed it first time after 30 years last year and the year before that, actually letting themselves down, but learning from that, you know, winning the title, retaining it, first one after 30 years is the marquee. Obviously, you've had the Champions League and the Champions League final. I do think Klopp is there for the long term. I don't think it's going to be Salix Ferguson and Wenger, but you do think he could run them pretty close. But I do have to wonder... You know, when comes the time that you keep it moving? Because I always feel there's never a better time to leave than on the top. I don't think Klopp is ever going to... Well, it's, it's naive to say he's never going to struggle. But, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of unfinished business. I'm pretty sure there's a lot for him to do. But it's like, how do you keep remotivating? And we know football's in cycles. And that's one thing I've liked about Jurgen Klopp. He's been able to keep motivating, keep evolving, keep adapting. But at some point, whether it's the players or him or whatever, they're going to hit a brick wall and where there's going to be a need to change, whether that's Klopp or Klopp moving on to bigger and better things or Liverpool moving on to different things. Not even better and bigger things, because that's not nice. Um, and I wonder, because as you lot know, being a football manager is hard of days, much less being the Liverpool manager, you know, definitely in my lifetime. Again, shout out to Rafa Benitez, shout out to Gerard Houllier, but, um and I know Liverpool fans will talk about, you know, the Kenny Dalgleishes and people of, of that ilk and um, Bob Paisley and many of these guys. But definitely in my lifetime, Klopp is the best Liverpool manager I've seen, you know. Forget the titles. It's the way you know the ethos. He's able to capture what Liverpool as a, as as a as a city mean and transmit that through the club. You really see the working class roots. You've got the he's not a local hero, but the local hero in Henderson. You know you've got the foreign players fighting. You know you've cap you got the you know the Curtis Jones and that. I really like how Klopp symbolizes what Liverpool is. I like how he's adapted, but. You know, it's high demanding. The way he does, the high demands Klopp has of himself are high demanding. Be, being a manager in the Premier League, so one has to wonder when they will, when when it will hit a wall because Liverpool will struggle like every team in a, in a couple of years. I'm not saying that as 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 a bitter Arsenal fan. I'm just saying that naturally they've been excelling. You know, one has to wonder how is the rebuild going to set, and that's the next step for Klopp because right now that squad is decent. But Salah's getting on a bit. Not they're still young, but you get the point. Salah, Mane, you know, how do you revitalize this team? How do you how do you change it? And he's recognized that because he's brought in Thiago. I know there's been injuries. He's tried to get in Werner and Fikir. So you can see there's evolution. You know, there's been Jota who's probably gone off the ball last couple of weeks, but been doing his thing. And it's admirable. Right? And there is talk of Klopp going to do the Germany thing and whatnot. It's like you have to wonder because what more has he got to achieve? I think if you I do think he would. I guess for me, if I was Klopp and I retained the title, which I think is going to happen this year, I would try and do a Man United thing and try and do the three-peat, try and retain it three years in a row. You know, it's hard enough to retain it one year. It's hard enough to win the league, let alone retain it, let alone do it three times um, sort of thing because you've got a good squad, you know, um, really and truly. And their signings that they're buying to, pardon me, complement the team are working out. But for me, you know, you've come here, Claimed Liverpool's first title after 30 years. Might even give them another one to spare. You know, give them two for their troubles of sorts. Been to a Champions League final, you know. winning, Going to Champions League final isn't the same as winning it, but he's won it. You know, what more can he achieve, really and truly? Um, I'd wonder. I'd really wonder. And you hear a lot of talk about Mo Salah linked with Madrid and Barca, whether they can do that because of the financial issues. I think a part of that, it wouldn't surprise me if Salah and whoever else is moaning gets a new deal in typical fashion. That's another thing I admire about Liverpool, the way they, you know, they recognise that people might see it as losing money, but you've got to give new deals. Like they signed Van Dijk two week, two minutes ago. He's already in talk with new deal. And I'm sure Liverpool fans will have many different ones. And 
For me, Curtis Jones is going to be a baller. I've been, I have been said at the start of this year, he needs to get more opportunities and he's doing it. And, you know, I think he's a year or so away from getting an England call-up. I think he's a terrific baller. He weren't really relevant to this game, but I just thought I'd mention it. But back to the 7-0, you know, I had everything, man. Firmino, couple, you know, Firmino being cheeky, Mane with a lovely finish, Mohamed Salah grabbing two goals and an assist off the bench, you know, Henderson bagging, you know, it had everything, man. It had everything, you know. We're not going to sit here and talk about all seven. It was a fantastic performance and you almost felt sorry for Palace. You know, you have even had Minamino scoring and you can't say you've seen him too many times in a Liverpool shirt. But it don't matter who's Liverpool's playing, there's that spirit there. Things are going well. The way Liverpool react to adversity is fantastic because I know they're always winning games and I don't have it to hand, but I'm pretty sure they've claimed like 80-something points from losing positions, which shows resilience. And, you know, we can talk about Liverpool to a blue in the face about how they're playing, how their squad is and all of that stuff. And it's all relevant. But for me, it's how you, you know, 38 games, there's going to be times where it's, it's difficult to even say because their front three is always at it. But 38 games, there's going to be times Mane and Salah and these players aren't quite at it. There's other players that st stand up to be counted. You know, there's players missing out the team, like I said, with injuries. You're not seeing a drop off in quality. They're still playing well. And that's down to... First and foremost, the coaching um, and, and, and the tactics and all of these things, but it's mentality. You know, Liverpool could have all the wavy coaches, you know, all these fancy set piece coaches and all these things. But if the players couldn't take heed of what is being said and didn't have that desire to play better, they wouldn't get anywhere. And Liverpool strike me as a team where, you know, defeat really kills them in a sense of man are not talking to their kids and wives and all of these sort of things. It means the world. They want to be successful as much as they want to breathe. Something I want to say in relation to my Arsenal team, which sadly we need to get onto soon. But moving on, like I said, man, a truly great football inside. Statistically, Liverpool are the first team to sit top in the English top flight table at Christmas in three consecutive years since the Reds themselves also did so in 1978 to 1980 under Bob Paisley. So again, Jurgen Klopp being mentioned with Liverpool legends. Liverpool registered an away top flight win by a margin of seven goals for the first time in their history, while it was their first seven goal league victory since winning 9-0 against Crystal Palace in 1989. Maybe these things were written in the stars. For the first time in their entire history, Crystal Palace conceded seven goals in a home match. So that, that 11 or those players that were involved are part of some negative history. Mohamed Salah is the first substitute to be directly involved in three goals in a Premier League game for Liverpool. Obviously, after he came off the bench um, and scored two goals and managed to even get an assist. You know, Jordan Henderson doesn't score much, but when he does, he does love a, love a long range or a one from outside the area. 41% um, of his goals, people, have come from from outside the area for Liverpool and you know that means 11 of his 27 Premier League goals for Liverpool have been registered outside the area and each of his last two in the competition have come from such Palace have kept just one clean sheet in their last 21 Premier League matches with that coming in their first game of the season against Southampton so obviously it's harsh and difficult to say if this result was coming but you know, if you're struggling, that, that's, that to me tells me you're worse than Arsenal defensively. So a drumming was, was pending. And I shouldn't say anything like that because it's Arsenal versus Manchester City in the EFL quarterfinals today, which is scary, people. But we'll deal with that. Sadio Mane, who I believe, you know, for me, I, I always say it, there's a couple of players, but for me, I'm very biased towards Mane. I think he's the best player in the Premier League. You know, I know you've got him, you've got Kevin, you know, you've got Paul Pogba. 
You know, you've got Thiago for me. You've got even Grealish could be thrown in, into that Sterling as well. You've got the typical players. But for me, I think Mane's different with it. Like, Mane... Listen, it's difficult to single out a, a Liverpool player necessarily for, for mentality based on what I've just said and because they've all got great mentality. But for me, Mane's thing is different. Like, he's got the physical abilities. He's quick, he's strong. You know, he can link up play, he can get goals, he can get assists. Not really been scoring to the level he can, in my opinion. But I, I just like him because he's on this savage stuff. He doesn't care if he scored two goals. He wants 3-4. He doesn't care if the team's conceded 7-0. He wants to keep going. And Mane was a player, you know... You go back to my videos, if there is early ones, I've been saying Arsenal should have got him at Southampton before he even had a boot sponsor when he was just, you know, he didn't even have these good, these messed haircuts. He was just wearing them bright blue boots, I mean, yellow boots. You know, Mane is a savage, man. And I know a lot is said about Harry Kane and Son in relation to their goal involvements. But if you look at Mohamed Salah and Firmino, they've now combined for 17 Premier League goals for Liverpool. Only Steve McManaman and Robbie Fowler have combined more for the club in the competition. And they got 24. Mo Salah and Firmino are on 17. The way Liverpool are playing, the ages these two players are at, you expect them to not only close that gap, but also make some distance on that. So shout out to Liverpool. Um, Sadio Mane has scored in each of his last seven Premier League games against Crystal Palace. Only Robin Van Persie with his eight against Stoke has ever scored more in consecutive appearances against the same opponent in the competition. Now, sadly, moving to Arsenal now. You know, as you can tell, football makes me quite happy as a neutral. It makes me quite sad discussing Arsenal. Another day, another Arsenal defeat. You know, the sky is blue. You know, I've got... Pepe, despite actually not being the worst player, being incredibly frustrating. I know you all sure saw when he shot and he ballooned it. And I was on a live stream with Curtis Shaw and he said it perfectly. He said, you know, that shot that Pepe took left Everton, left Goodison, and it probably is just landing at Anfield right now. Um, saying that, you know, you're as an Arsenal fan, you're torn between the two evils. You can sit, you can continue with the inconsistency and frustration of Pepe. I personally am of that. Then the hiding in William, because you've got one player who's doing frustrating things, but at least he's not hiding. You know, at least he's not hiding. And technically for goal involvements, he's up there. I am no way justifying Pepe's performances. I am no way justifying mediocre returns. But I do think people lack balance when looking at Pepe, despite his evident frustrations. But there's no way around it. He isn't the player we expected to sign. Now, William, who I know I've mentioned Pepe, and I don't want anyone to be scapegoated, but I don't understand what William's on. I really don't get it. You know, he looks shot on confidence, which is why I can't see him play. Um, why I can't see why he's starting. I know there was injuries, but he looks shot on confidence. He's hiding on the ball. He's not showing for it. His decision-making is quite terrible. Williams just a terrible footballer in an Arsenal shirt, to put it nicely. One thing that annoyed me is the midfielders. You know, you go with Danny Sabayos. He gets no goals. He gets no assists. He shows no emphasis on trying to dictate the tempo of the game or get us going. He's, he's more concerned in getting in handbags and personal battles. Very mature. Um, and you've got El Nene, who I felt was quite cowardly in midfield, to the point where David Luiz is evidently shouting at him. You're seeing analysts or people part of the coaching staff of Mikel Arteta doing the same. I was seeing hiding from El Nene. You know, he was losing out in all his aerial duels and nine times out of ten, the ones on the surface of the ground. But he was hiding in possession. He's, you know, when people don't want the ball and they're evidently standing near opponents so they don't get it. He's doing that. And then he's not helping us by passing it right back to the person who's passed it with. And El Nene's had three 
three poor games off the back of a good start to the season, but he's showing his true level now. So and and for me, the midfield was a key, you know, a key problem. You know, as much as I talk about the individual problems, it comes down to Arteta and the system or lack of. I don't care if he hasn't got his own midfielders and all of this. I I have sympathy. I know only Partey is a good centre midfielder in our team. At a push, I'm sure not too many people think too much of someone like Joe Willett, but you're prepared to con probably just throw him in at this moment then people that are experienced and whether they've played for their country and captain not only this club but their country like Granite Xhaka like El Nene who you know is hot and cold he'll have good form but he'll show you his level Sabayos thank god he's not a permanent player and we can you know we can be done with that you know we don't have a midfield I know from a coach from a from a transfer point of view I have sympathy for him but he was a midfielder he knew coming into this club how crucial midfield is. You can see how poor our midfield is. And I don't see anybody working in tandem. It's way too open. It's too easy to get exploited. And they don't look, you know, there's a disconnect. You've got, you're trying to play out from the back and your midfield don't want to show for it. So they have to go long. You're going long against a team that's got Ben Godfrey at left back, two giants in Keane and, and Yeri Mina. And you've got Hoy, um, Holgate who's playing fullback but can play as a centre half. They're all good in the air. You know, they got men, you know, you saw Everton got men behind the ball very quickly quickly and, and it's going to give us issues there's no movement with the front three at all you know we're quite toothless you've got Pickford in goal and you haven't scored from open play or really tested Pickford the only one is obviously Maitland now has been, been fouled he didn't do anything and it, it's quite damning that that was probably Everton's worst performance and they walked away with three points the only thing Carlo's probably vexed about is that for a period when we went when we were 1-1 in the game you know we they did look quite open and ultimately they've conceded a goal you know, you don't want to, in the same way you don't want to drop three points against Arsenal because we're so poor, you don't want to concede. Why would you want to concede against a team that's one of the lowest goal scorers in the league? It don't make no sense. It's the same old, same old stuff, man. You know, we're, we're being very reactive on the field. We're hiding psychologically. Players are shot. Once again, you know, there's only certain players standing up to be counted. The Lenos, the Sackers, the Tierneys, you know, Maitland-Niles. The, the only positive is Maitland-Niles is half-decent performance. And for me, Martinelli's cameo and um, returning from injury. Other than that, there's not. There's been a lot of talk about David Luiz and he's a negative influence and all of these things. David Luiz, you've got... Arteta, you, you owe him your life because if any of that was true, I never saw that on a Sunday, Saturday. And I think that speaks volumes to his mentality um, because he's one of the only players backing you. You know, Holding was the captain and Holding's in talks to get a new deal. So that might tell you his rising stature under Mikel Arteta. You know, he was lucky to, unlucky to be part of the own goal. But we conceded them two goals from not learning. We knew how we would defend crosses, how we defend aerial situations, how we defend set pieces and dead ball scenarios is what's going to make the difference. You know, they've got a quality amount of players. And that's why I don't, you know, I have to give credit to Carlo because many people say he needs his own squad and he did have a window. But how many of those players are his? Calvert-Lewin wasn't his and he's making Calvert-Lewin a madman. You get it? And there's many. People talk about Arsenal's injuries and suspensions in that game. How many players did Everton have? I didn't see Hammers. I didn't see Allen. I didn't see Dejane. You know, Seamus Coleman came off the bench. They had bare injuries. But we make you either make things happen or you make excuses. You know, like I always say, winners take accountability, losers blame. And Arsenal are with this blaming thing. It was poor. You know, the, the first goal, there was warning signs. Calvert-Lewin, he's been given a free run. Nobody tracks him, sort of thing. And he gets in between defenders. Holding's the unlucky partner. Even in the build-up to that, what's William doing? He's not stopping the cross. You know, we always talk, or, or better yet, Arteta, or what we're led to believe, we always hear that William is switched on in terms of defending. And that's one luxury. 
Come on. And even that, Pepe weren't amazing. But how is it Williams getting 90-odd minutes? How is Eddie Nketiah getting 70-odd? I don't understand the Eddie one. Purely because you gave him a chance against Southampton. Yes, he got an assist, but he didn't do anything. And he was a boy against men. You know, you've got Michael Keane because they're not being occupied. And that's why I think you should have went with Lacazette. He might not be as quick, but he's a physical uh, prospect. You know, he'll give them something to do. Yeri Mina scored, but he was more interested in being a ball-playing centre-half. Michael Keane was trying to be like Ronald Koeman or Beckenbauer he's trying to shoot from 30 yards and that if they're doing that and live and ever it's volumes that Everton played a high line and were in a half you know they back themselves they don't even care that Eddie might be fast and Pepe and William at least when you play Lacazette there's a physical handful and when you saw Lacazette and Martinelli come on you know, we looked a bit better. Ultimately, in the second half, we huffed and puffed like against Spurs and Wolves and we didn't get anywhere. You know, for me as well, it goes down to game management. Ultimately, the manager's got to get that through to them. But game management, we found ourselves back in the game, to put it nicely, some lucky circumstances. Let's keep it honest. Most logical people would have went raw. You know, we're back in the... We're, apologies, people. I need my charger. One second, people. I'm actually... I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I can just... I'm, I'm sure my Mac is about to die. This is very unprofessional of me, people. Apologies. You know you don't normally get this. Apologies, people. Yeah, I apologise for that, people. I had to plug the Mac charger in. But as I was saying, we didn't learn from our mistakes. And game management ultimately has to come from the manager and wanting to improve in that regards. But... The players have to take heed. We got ourselves back in the game in fortunate circumstances. The one time we really got into their box. And to be fair, Maitland-Niles and Tierney are putting in lovely balls and nobody's darting across. And I'm sure you all remember, Tierney gave the ball to Eddie and Ketty. I hear the man's a fox in a box. He had all that time and space in the world to, to, to take a touch. He's shot because it probably would have looked good on match of the day. And like you saw, it was a poor performance. And I think, you know, Arteta's putting some of these players out to fail and making questionable decisions. But... What I can't blame him for is not learning and heeding, you know. Going into this game, we knew our game management's bad. So if you're playing Everton, you know, you your backs have been against the wall. You've been very reactive. You found yourself late into the first half, somehow back in this game at 1-1, you know. I can't understand why we're still open and getting hit on the counter to the point where Tierney, Maitland-Niles, David Luiz were begging players to do more. And actually, in the build-up to the second goal, it's a fantastic save from Leno to deny a fantastic goal from Calvert-Lewin. You know, he's known for the fox in the box and the head and stuff, but he almost scored a worldie with his left peg from outside the area. You know, most people would have said it's a minute before half-time. We're fortunate to get back in the game. Let's see it out. Instead, you know, Pepe has to hold his hands up, absolutely switching off against Yerry Mina, you know. One of the most, not that, you know, you, you can pick out many of them Everton players that are threats in the air and these sort of things, you know. I, I think Calvert-Lewin's the best in the air because he scored, it. he's got what, well, he got denied it was an own goal, but he has, what, 11, 12 goals in the league. Probably the bulk of them, I'd say 80, 90% are headers. We know he's a problem. We know Richarlison, he also played well, in my opinion. Maitland, done well to keep him quiet, but from a game perspective, I think he done well. A threat in the box. You've got Mason Holgate, who isn't a slouch. You've got Yerry Mina, powerful header, like, you show, like he's shown people. I can't understand. Like I said, Pepe needs to take responsibility. But I can't understand why you as Mikel Arteta is going to give your most naive defensively defensive-minded attacker the job of marking one of the hardest players from this situation. It's no surprise he switched off, he let him get the run and he's thumped it home. And for me, it's like the Southampton game, apologies, it's like the Burnley game where we've conceded from a set piece. That one was an own goal from Aubameyang, but you can see it in the build-up. You know, against, against, against Burnley, I'm pretty sure it was Ashley Barnes being marked by Bellerin. 
um, where they're standing on Leno again against Everton. They know everybody knows Arsenal is hard to is easy to read now. You know, you you, you they put Keane and Holgate on on Leno. You know the marking. You've got people smaller than them marking. No one's taking them off the keeper, and then it's no surprise what led to it. So again, poor marking, poor instructions in terms of the zonal stuff for me. Consistently, nothing has changed in that regard. So I can't really be surprised. You know, credit to Carlo Ancelotti's men. They're doing their thing. And like I said, I don't think they were at their best. But to be fair, you don't need to be. I think they all had good games. You know, Ben Godfrey had a good game. I think Davis worked well. I think um, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison worked well. Iwobi got an assist against us. You know, it's happy that Decore played well. You know, Pickford, he didn't get, get a clean sheet. But what tests did he have to do? It was a poor performance, man. And the statistics are, are pretty damning. Like I said, it's the same old story with us losing. We had 10 shots in the second half. None are on target. So, again, it's what I said about we're huffing and puffing like against Wolves and Spurs. You know, they've already got the result and we're not creating quality efforts. It's pretty damning we find ourselves where we find ourselves. You know, only Sheffield United have lost more Premier League games than us this season, people. Um, we've lost eight. They've lost 12. Danny Ceballos, like I said, I'm not one to care about goals and assists necessarily because if you're still dictating the game, I don't mind it, you know. I, I know he's not Iniesta, but Iniesta didn't have the best of stats. I think you've got to use your eyes. But for me, Danny Ceballos doesn't score goals. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't try to, you know, make the game, you know, like you see with the best midfielders in the game. When you see Thiago, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, to a degree Pogba, I know he's got his problems at United, but Pogba as well, you know. Just half half competent midfielders. They try and make the game run through them. They're ticking. They're the ones that want to take it. Sometimes I see little flashes in the pan, but that's an 18-year-old business thing to be doing. I don't want to see that from someone that's played for Madrid, played for their country, trying to go to the Euros and here for a second loan spell. So he doesn't dominate the game. You know, he doesn't get goals. He doesn't get assists. And in fifth, and, and he's, for me, in, in the, he's antagonised me in the last few games because it's like he's not interested with being a footballer. He's coming with this Sunday league mentality where he's just trying to get into handbags and I'm going to keep it fair. If it happened against Arsenal, we'd be talking. You know, Ceballos is lucky that Yerry Mina is, is, made, is, is hard as nails because there was a little stamped sort of thing against Everton. And I thought if he made more of a meal of that with VAR, that's another red card for Arsenal. He's interested in the wrong things. And when you're always interested in these personal battles, this tells me mentally you wasn't prepared for a game of football. In his 57 games for Arsenal, he's got two goals and three assists. Now, of course, not all of that has been 90 minutes. Not all of that has been starting. But, you know, the bulk of them have. So again, this, this makes for negative reading. In the last 10 Premier League games, Arsenal scored fewer goals from normal play, which stands at two, excluding penalties. Then they have scored own goals with three. So which this, what does this tell you? We're scoring more goals in the back of our net than we are in our own net. We're not shooting enough. We're goal shy. And we're underperforming in, in attack as well as every other facet of this football club on and off the field, you know. Um, Everton, like I said, they only had two shots on target when they beat us people. So... What does that tell you? What does that tell you? You know, when we was doing that under Emery, we were saying we were clinical. And, you know, and I think it's pretty damning that, you know, we haven't been ahead in a Premier League match since the start of November. William, again, it's not all William's fault we lost. He's one man, you know, at the end of the day. But he had 14 touches in the first half, which was fewer than any other player. And it just, there was many awful ones. He's had one shot in the last 11, 12 games. When last did he score? You know, there's just many terrible William stats. Um, to put it nicely, and what an, another expensive mistake from Arsenal that like you've tied him down for three years, you've put him on big money, you can't move him on, you have to persist with him now, you really do, and hope that he that he turns a, turns a corner, which isn't going to happen. 
You know, I hope to be wrong in that regard. With that, you know, Yeri, which again, I go down to the analytical people. Why did we not bear this in mind or the players bear this in mind? When you look at Yeri Mina's last four Premier League goals, they've all been scored in the 45th minute. He's only the second player of all time in the Premier League um, to score four goals in a row all in the same minute. Chris Eagles did that um, where he scored four goals in the 90th minute between 2007 and 2011. Um you know, big up Everton. They've won each of their last three Premier League games, guaranteeing them a, a spot in the top four at Christmas for the first time since 2004-2005. Um, with that as well, Arsenal's points return of 14 um, points return from 14 games this season is their worst record at this stage since 1974-75, which is quite poor. Since Mikel Arteta took charge, Arsenal haven't won any of their previous 10 Premier League games when trailing at half-time. We've lost seven and drawn three. So when we hear talk of fight, intent, desire, maybe these things are overstated. Arsenal have scored three own goals in the Premier League this season, only scoring more in 2002-2003 where we got four. And in 2011-12, we had five in a single season. So we're probably going to eclipse that. Ultimately, we've got 14 points from 14 games, which... You know, if he was to just simple that, we've only got we've we've drawn every game we've played to put it nicely. You know, we're four points above the relegation drop zone, and you know we're we're, we're quite happy that other teams have done us a favour this week. Shout out to Brighton, um, but it could have got long for us. People shout out to Danny Welbeck and Brighton. We're firmly in the relegation battle, and I think when I hear things like Arsenal are too good to go down, I hope you lot are true. But I, I don't want to hear any of that because complacency has been what's killed this club. Even if you do think you're too good, you need to accept it. You need to think you're no better than Sheffield because statistically you're not. You are in a relegation battle and until you get 40 points or it looks like you're safe, shut up and get on the work front. You know, you can't go from targeting top four to staying in the division. It's... It, this this shows how poor, poorly this club is run. This shows how lack how how lack of galvanization these players suffer from. They don't want it. Like I'm seeing, I don't mind if you take a picture at the Goodison Park at Goodison, but I'm seeing sub fullbacks who thank God they didn't play. They're bringing high tech cameras and doing nonsense before the game. This tells you the mentality isn't there. If you're gonna do that, do it off camera for the fans because it just get it just eggs up people and it and it and it annoys people and things like that. Um. So it's quite annoying. Nicolas Pepe has been directly involved in eight goals in all competitions this season with five goals and three assists. That makes him the most of any Arsenal player. Less about Arsenal, more about actual football. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm becoming a Spurs fan in that, you know, Spurs haven't accomplished anything for years and, and never have. But they just seem to, even when they weren't in many conversations, just revel, revel in, in Arsenal's failings. And I'm one of them, man, now. You know, any sort of defeat from Spurs, I'm, I'm kind of loving it. And, they lost 2-0 against Leicester City. You know, Leicester looked sharp on the counter. You know, Jamie Vardy scored. You know, is it Kassans? I think he looked good. James Justin had a good game. You know, Spurs, that's probably the worst I've seen Spurs play in the league of recent as a neutral looking in. You're struggling to see a player that played well in that game. They did have a couple chances to score, but I don't think a single player played well. Obviously, Aurier, brainless decision. Don't know why he done that, really and truly. Madison denied a VAR, courtesy of VAR, good goal. And that was so quick after half-time. I just think mentally Spurs were just never there. You know, I, I don't... I, even Bell, Bell came off the bench and I didn't see what he brought to the table. Not a single player excelled, man. And, you know, Aurier was again brainless. There's no need to do what he did for the penalty. The guy is going nowhere. You know, with VAR, you can never get away with that now. So just think, you know, and he's been all right under, under Jose Mourinho, but... It's a bit like Arsenal where you've got these hot and cold players like I, I, I see that as David Luiz, as El Nene and that, you know, you've got to be careful of when 
players that have typically underperformed or make mistakes, they're in good form because we all know it's not sustainable. And, you know, Aurier might go on to have 10 good games on the spin now. But when Spurs look back in May and they say, oh, we're not where we want to be or we're, or whatever, and they look down to the nuts and bolts and the fine margins, this is where they might have dropped points. Spurs are still in... in, in in a shout of doing what they need to do. To be fair with you, they've had a good run. They've, they're in a little blip. They need to get themselves out of it and quickly. Um, and big up Brendan Rodgers because he struggled to play against Jose Mourinho, even get results against Jose Mourinho um, prior to this. But, you know, that win moves Leicester up to second. They can enjoy Christmas. Fufana had a good game. You know, they looked good at, away from home. They played well. What can you say, people? Looking at it, and like I said, people, I would, see how I just mentioned about how hot and cold players and I use the Arsenal example when you look at the of Serge Aurier since joining Spurs in his 2017-18 season he's given away four penalties in the Premier League and he's second only to a certain David Luiz who's had five in the period people in that as well moving away Jamie Vardy has become the first player in the Premier League to score away to a specific side at three different stadiums he scored at Wembley he scored at Spurs' new ground and he scored at White Hart Lane so he loves playing Spurs and you know, it's a shame he rejected Arsenal. Would love you even more. Leicester City will be in the top two places of the top flight at Christmas um, for a consecutive season for the first time in their history. So credit to Leicester. They go marching on. Now, Sheffield United, 10 men Sheffield United. When Jeremy Bo Jaden Bogle, apologies, scored that goal, his first of the campaign and his first goal um, for Sheffield United on his debut. I'm sure he, 10 men Sheffield and Chris Wilder thought they were going to nick something. It wasn't meant to be, as obviously, like I said earlier, Danny Welbeck off the bench came through with a late minute equaliser. It doesn't help Sheffield United's case because they're now winless in their last 12 Premier League games, losing 10 and drawing two. Um, that's in their away games, apologies. And they've lost each of their last eight in a row. Um which is appalling. Lumstrong, very stupid red card to get as well, just making things harder. For Jaden Bogle, he's the fifth player to score in his Premier League debut for Sheffield United. He joins Brian Dean, um, Willie Falcona and Rob Holst and, um, and also Billy Sharp. Now, I only know Billy Sharp, but I'm sure Sheffield United fans, if there's any of you listening, you know there's some club legends. So it's always good to be among that. Manchester City now Manchester City I think it's wishful thinking to think they can win the Premier League this year obviously mathematically it can still happen blips can happen but I just think Liverpool are playing too well even with injuries and City are just giving themselves too too much to do and I think when you look at City's games whether they've won lost or drawn they have quite by their own standards they, they've not they've not quite been there they've not quite been the team that they're supposed to be in things and they've quite they've been quite lacking in that regards um, you know against Southampton even if Che Adams and these sort of players could finish their dinner it could have been a different story I have to give credit to John Stones and there's talk of him signing a new deal he was good Raheem Sterling obviously scored and Raheem Sterling will play against Arsenal tonight he's probably relishing that um good performance couple heart and mouth moments is for City but at the end of the day the way Southampton are playing one nil or just winning by a solid point is a fantastic point um is a fantastic um margin to leave St Mary's with and most importantly the three points as I said, Che Adams and Cole had chances. They didn't take them, but their loss is Manchester City's gain. You know, Sterling scored. Kevin De Bruyne has registered 15 Premier League assists in 2020, which is three more than anyone else. While only in 2017 has he met, has he assisted more in a Premier League calendar year. So again, you know, Boxing Day, he could probably eclipse that, you know. 
depending on who City are playing, if he got three assists or something, he could probably do that before the end of the year, to be fair with you, or he might be cutting it short. Um, following the 1-0 victory, no side have kept fewer goals or kept more clean sheets than Manchester City in the Premier League this season, who have conceded just six goals in 11 games since losing 5-2 to, to Leicester. I do think City are lacking the aggressiveness and I think despite not conceding, they're still they're giving way too many opportunities to oppositions. Like the only team that probably won't hurt them in an attacking sense is my club because we don't go at them. Now, Fulham and Newcastle drew 1-1. That Jochen Anderson guy at Fulham loves conceding penalties and he got sent off. Um, lovely to see Lookman playing better. Um, it, it, is what it, it is what it is in that, in that regards, man. You know, it looked a bit peak. Not neither, you know, it's not, it's neither a good point for either team. In fact, it is, but it doesn't help anybody. Um, Callum Wilson, it did look like he went down in the box early, too easy there and very early, but he's now scored eight goals in 12 Premier League appearances this term, which is as many as he did in 35 last campaign for Bournemouth. So he's loving time, his time at Newcastle. And if there's one thing Newcastle love, it's their strikers, you know, Andy Cole, Les Ferdinand, you know, Alan Shearer. All of these sort of, even to a degree, is not quite there for me. But Andy Cole, you know, now Range had a little bit of a time there. Demba Bar and Papi Cisse also had a good time there. They have these good little number nines of various different levels. And Callum Wilson so far with his eight goals, he's doing mu as much as he can to to carry on the burden. You know, it's always, if I was a striker, I'd feel a lot of pressure playing for Newcastle. Because like I said, that's one club that knows their strikers and likes their strikers. It'll, if you end up like Joe Linton, it's going to get long, really and truly. Now, game of the week for me was, it was a game we was all looking at. Manchester United versus Leeds. It's one that we ain't seen in the Premier League in years. It's a rivalry thing. You know, how much of a rivalry can these United fans that are in London have against a team in Yorkshire? I don't know. United fans, I've got to do it. I've got at Spurs. I've got at United. You know, I, nothing's going well at Arsenal. So at most, all I can do is sit here and mock you lot. But on a serious note, it lived up to expectation, you know. I think with all due respect, I'm not saying Leeds are stupid, but at one at what what point do you does 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 the way they play go from admirable to being a bit silly because it is quite gun hole but again I think you know Man United knew they'd concede goals from set pieces and Leeds conceded some naive goals and I don't Leeds are not going to go down or anything but it just gives me the Blackpool vibes the Norwich vibes of that people are praising them for doing something where on one hand it is admirable they're sticking to their principles they're not becoming a low a long ball side but the way they're playing isn't sustainable and they might stay in the league this year Will they stay in it next year? And I want Leeds to stay. Um, I'm a big fan of Bielsa. Leeds are a prestigious club that I believe belong in the Premier League. And they've got decent players. It was a fantastic game, people, really and truly, man. What? There was, what, three goals after 20 minutes, four goals or whatever after half an hour. They put them to the sword, man. Scott McTominay turning into a goal-scoring, you know, midfielder on some Aaron Ramsey thing. You know, got a brace. You know, Bruno managed to get a goal and an assist. You know, Martial got a couple of assists. Rashford was just duppy and man in the game. You know, even Lindelof, like the marking for Lindelof's goal was atrocious. Like, Ole Gullasosha's team really did their homework in, I believe, set pieces and... The way City United were hitting them on the counter, I thought they would score more and they'd enjoy. Even Daniel James managed to get on the score sheet. You know, I was think I was watching the game, I was thinking, why have United started this strong? And then the camera panned and I saw Salix Ferguson. I said, all right, cool. They knew they had to pattern up. Maybe he was even managing, but they knew they had to fix up or people are going to be out of the team sort of thing. Um it was a quality game, man. They caught Leeds so cold very early, man. Them breaks were amazing from 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 a United perspective. It was an admirable one. They shut them up and um, took them out the game early doors, really. And United, again, 
You know, they've been better on the road. How good away from home have they been? Because they've been making games harder than it needs to be and having to come from behind. Either way, they've been scoring goals and winning. Two things that haven't been said at Old Trafford. And Old Trafford was a feared place. And I think the fact of Arsenal winning there tells you how quickly they need to get back to full to, to to those standards really and truly. But like I said, they put they, they caught Leeds cold. The two goals they conceded were quite poor from a United perspective. But that's the only thing you could say and that's the only face Leeds have saved really because Leeds got Leeds got pumped. This is the first it was the first time better yet a club managed by Bielsa conceded six goals. You'd have to go back to nineteen ninety two when he was managing a team in the Copa Libertadores when his Noel's old boys side lost to San Lorenzo. Ain't that Noel's team, um, Messi's team that he supported in Argentina? Random bit of stats for you. But you'd have to go back to 1992, three years before I even came into this world. Um, with that, like I said, Daniel James has scored his first Premier League goal in 33 appearances since he last struck in August 2019 against Southampton. Rafinha is the first away player to assist two goals against Manchester United at Old Trafford in the Premier League since Tony Hibbert did that in the 4-4 draw in 2012 with Everton. Um, this is the fourth Premier League game this season to see as many as five first half goals. You had Liverpool against Leeds. You had Aston Villa against Liverpool. You also had Man United against Spurs. Um, this only happened three times in the whole of 2019-20. So maybe that tells you the standard of defending generally in the Premier League. Um, Bruno Fernandes' record is ridiculous, people. Um, he's been directly involved in 28 goals in 27 Premier League appearances, 16 goals, 12 assists, considering the man joined last January. Whatever you say about Bruno and maybe he's a bit wasteful in possession and some of those are down to penalties and, you know, just assists where you've passed the ball to a man and a man's danced past seven players. But he's a great player. He's been a good signing and he's doing his thing. As I said, Scott McTominay is the first player in the Premier League in Premier League history, better yet, to score twice in the first three minutes of a match. And even just conceding two goals in three minutes from Leeds shows their naivety. Now, I'm sure you all saw last night the opponents that will be playing on Boxing Day in Chelsea won 3-0 against West Ham, bouncing back from back-to-back -back defeats against, I believe, Everton and... Who did they lose to as well? I can't remember, but I'm sure they lost their last two games in a row. It's not going to happen for Werner. I say that. If you're a team that's in bad form, a striker that can't score, who do you call? Arsenal. This man hasn't scored in what seven starts in the in 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 Chelsea appearance in Chelsea colours. Now he probably will score at Arsenal. I felt sorry for Timo Werner because he yesterday he looked like a man that nothing is gonna happen. Like that one towards the end where it's banged off the post. It's never gonna happen for Donny. It's not gonna happen for him. You know, it's it's. I think once he gets that one goal again, he'll be back. But he's struggling, man. He really is struggling. And Timo Werner has failed to score in each of his last seven starts for Chelsea in all comps. His longest run without a goal in the competition since September 2016, which were between spells at Stuttgart and RB Leipzig. And I know he's adapting to the league and he's spoken about the difficulty of the league. He's going to have to learn and learn fast. Chelsea have lost just one of their last 13 Premier League home games, drawing two and winning 10 since they lost in September to Liverpool. David Moyes hates playing at Stamford Bridge, I would assume, because he's failed to win in any of his 16 visits to Stamford Bridge, which is the longest, the joint highest tally of any manager never to win at a stadium in the competition, which also equals his own record um, against, against Liverpool at Anfield, also 16 games. Tammy Abraham scored a brace and I think he deserved his, his, his two goals. Um, you know, he scored his first um, brace for Chelsea across all competitions since September 2019 when he got three against Wolves. Um, there was just 107, 101 apologies seconds separating his two finishes. And again, 
West Ham got caught on a got caught cold. Um, I'm sure if I remember rightly, you know, Declan Rice was denied a goal courtesy of VAR. Something happened with VAR. It's, it's early in the morning. I can't actually remember. You know, I think you've got to give praise to Thiago Silva. He had a good game with some important blocks and obviously scored. And I think it's pretty telling that he scored more goals than his form. Well, it would have been his former teammate and fellow Brazilian, William. Um, he scored two goals than William, and he's had, um, you know, he's had he scored more goals than Williams had shots on target this season, which tells you everything. Um, and another thing to be wary of: Chelsea have scored more goals from corners than any other team in the Premier League this season. Three of these goals have been headers assisted by Mason Mount. So again, I've seen my team not learn against Burnley. I've seen us not learn against Everton. It's written in the stars, there, isn't it? Really, that you need to be switched on from set pieces, but we'll have to see. Mason Mount, who I think had a good game along with Pulisic, created more chances than any other player against West Ham. He got one assist. All of his three Premier League assists this season have been for Chelsea's centre-halves. Um, pardon me. When you look across Timo Werner's nine Premier League, nine games in all comps and not just the seven in the league, you know, his goal drought continues. He's not scored against Newcastle, Rennes, Spurs, Seville, Leeds, Krasnodar, Everton, Wolves or West Ham. Um, kind of highlighting Arsenal's problem, people. Um, well, uh, going back, well, getting on to a bit, but against Burnley, um, for for Wolves, um, for Wolves against Burnley, no player, no Burnley player created more chances against Wolves than Nick Pope with one long ball side. And Nick Pope has also created the same amount of chances this season as Granite Xhaka. So, tying, before I forget those stats, they came into my head. But speaking of Burnley versus Wolves, Burnley won two goals to one. I'm sure they're happy with that. It looked like a classic Burnley victory in that, you know, the first goal, you know, well, the first one of the first, well, I believe it was the first goal. You had a counter attack that led to Barnes's goal. Um, you know, you had a set piece for Woods's goal again. Classic Burnley. Former Arsenal man Benson conceded a penalty and allowed Fabio Silva to score. Um, so yeah, Burnley won two one. They can't buy a win, you know, unless it's against Arsenal. So I'm sure they're happy with their with with their result and they're not complaining. You know, since the start of the 2018-19 season, Wolves have failed to win any of their last three Premier League away games against Burnley people. Um, Fabio Silva is the youngest player to score a Premier League goal for Wolves, while he's the second youngest player to score a penalty in the competition after Liverpool's Michael Owen in August 1997. And for those of you wondering, Fabio Silva's age, 18 years of age, 155 days. Um, Burnley have scored twice in a Premier League game at Turf Moor for the first time since February, where they got three against Bournemouth. Ashley Barnes scored his first goal in the Premier League since November 2019 against Watford. He went 970 minutes in the competition without finding the back of the net. You had Aston Villa in the Midlands derby, putting West Bromwich Albion, or better yet, 10 men West Bromwich Albion to the sword. Stupid sending off by Livermore, similar to Lundstrom for Sheffield United. You know, Grealish ran a mockery of them and he has assisted six goals in, in 12 Premier League games this season. He's never assisted more in a full season in his professional career, which shows potential coming of age. You know, he's also created 38 chances from open play in the Premier League this season. The most of any player in any of Europe's top five leagues this season. Aston Villa are flying high. Their return of 22 points after 12 games is their best in the Premier League at this stage since 2001-2002 when they finished eighth. You know, um, Anwar Ogazi has scored in back-to-back -back away Premier League games for Aston Villa. Um, he's only scored... He only scored in two of his first 34 appearances for the club on the road before. 
So make of that what you will. I don't think I'm missing anyone else out in Premier League terms, people. And if I am, I guess their game wasn't relevant. If I had to miss anyone, I would have hoped it to be Arsenal. You know, you saw Nuno very angry with Lee Mason. Um, and he said he's not of the quality to be a Premier League official. He said, honestly, I don't like to say it, but I must say it because I will not feel right. The referee does not have the quality to whistle a game in the Premier League. This is a problem that we knew. We already had Lee Mason before. It's not about the crucial mistakes or the decisions. It's about the way he handles the game. The players get nervous. Too much voices. He whistles by the voices when some players shout. He does not have it. We are talking about the best competition and clearly does not have the quality to whistle the game. I'm very disappointed to say this. Um, really disappointed to say it. But I would not feel right if I did not say it as it happened before. I just don't want to see him more. This is what I told him. I hope that he does not whistle a game for ours again because all of the games that we have with Lee Mason are the same. He does not control the players. The players are constantly arguing, both teams. With all the other referees, the game flows. The decisions are acceptable. There is dialogue. He does not do it. And I think referees, sometimes they're clearly crucified but I think no one's above criticism and you know the players take it I do think journalists you know we're never allowed to criticize the quality of their reporting or question their their their, their logic and the same goes for referees you know they're allowed they make they are allowed to make mistakes but they make mistakes and if you're a footballer not doing the business you get dropped if you're a manager not doing the business you get dropped if you're an owner not doing your job there's scrutiny why is it referees that are protected because they're making calamitous decisions even with VAR and the rest of it and this doesn't even seem like it was a crucial decision thing he's just not happy with how, the, how you start the game and how you sit the tone where he's fully right with that people and he's allowed to say that moving away from that though and the Premier League has confirmed seven positive corona tests among players and staff in its latest round of testing it is apparently slightly down but it now has a total of 1,669 players and club staff um well a total of them were tested um and it came back the seven people who have tested positive are self-isolating. This was between 14th of December and the 20th. And going on from this, apparently, you know, Newcastle, as you lot know, they've had games postponed. They've had to close the training ground. Their captain and their star man in Jamal Lascelles and, um, and Alan Saint-Maximin have both obviously been suffering from the long-term effects of COVID-19. Apparently, um, both of them have been struggling with the virus and they're, and they're back now. But apparently, they're still not, they, don't, they, don't, they don't feel well enough to go back to training and they will only do so when they feel they have people, which is quite sad. And also, if you remember, you know, Fernandez and Hayden also tested positive at Newcastle for it. Um, for those of you who care, you know, Arsenal are in the EFL Cup, but apparently the Yarabal Cup final has been rescheduled and will now take place on Sunday, the 25th of April 2021. Kickoff will be at 4pm. The original date, as we know, happens mid-season, which was February the 28th. So for whatever reason, that one's been moved. For those of you who care about kicking out racism, um, anti-racism watchdogs kick it out of, um, have finally... Um, got serious backing in my opinion apparently they've signed a three million deal with sky sports how that money will be spent and distributed is anyone's guess but hopefully it helps with the fight of, ra of racism it's a bit irrelevant people but bundesliga apparently buying leverkusen have confirmed that twins lars and sev bender will both be retiring at the end of the season always linked with arsenal I don't know what's happened happened to Jaden Sanjo this year. I still think he's a good baller and I would still splash the money on him. But he's have he's got no goals in 900 minutes. And I know he's had injuries, but is there anything affecting him? Like I said, no goals in 900 minutes, but he's also played well. This is in the Bundesliga. So 
are Man United right or wrong for not spending 120 million on him? It's playing devil's advocate. I think there, I would have still went for him, but it is what it is in that regards, people. It re, it really is. Um, moving away, moving away from that, and uh, as well, people. Borussia Mönchengladbach Marcus striker Marcus Thuram has apparently been banned for six games by the German FA after spitting at Hoffenheim Stefan Poch. He's already been fined a month's wages by Gladbach for the incidents and apparently was caught up on VAR people. Um, there isn't much more really to speak about. As I said, Arsenal will be playing Manchester City later on. Check out YouTube on the preview. And late in relation to transfer news, apparently Pep Guardiola does not expect to bring in a new striker during the January window, despite obviously having concerns over Gab Jesus and Aguero's fitness. Reese Williams will not be allowed to go on loan from Liverpool, um, which is, you know, I'm sure they have to keep him around. Apparently, Damari Gray is, a, is, a, is, is allowed to leave. And apparently, Spurs, Everton, Southampton and Palace are all interested. Arsenal have opened talks with 25-year-old English defender Rob Holden, whose deal runs until 2023. I'll probably speak about that on my live stream. Um, who else is there? There isn't even there is that's that's the only benefit, only realistic transfer news. So there's really nothing else to really speak about. Mo Salah's been linked with Real Madrid and Barcelona again, which what I said at the start is probably just angling for a new contract. If I was him, I'd consider moving on because you've you know what have you got left to win here? You've won the Champions League first and foremost. You know you've done well for a one season wonder, like some people are saying. You you have you know I mean I believe you and Harry Kane are the best one season wonders, but. You've won the Champions League. You've won the Premier League. You know, you've got whole heap of individual statistics and cemented yourself in the Premier League. You know, you're fit. You're enjoying. You can stay forever. But do you want to experience something new? You've played in Italy. You've you've done it well in England. Again, Barcelona and Madrid, financial things. And they seem to have other priorities. But if Salah did say, I want to leave and whatnot, you'd imagine he's going to cost top dollar. And you'd imagine, you know, teams would have him really and truly. So I, it's up to him, really. Does he, not just him, but Mane's linked with moves away half the time, all the time. All of their players are. It's a question they all need to ask themselves. Do they have the hunger for Liverpool? Part of you. Or do they want to try something new? You know, look at um, Ronaldo. He's done well at Newcastle in the Premier League. He's come to Liverpool. He's had some good moments. He's won everything. And now he wants to try something new, allegedly, with the Barcelona link. So we'll have to see, man. I just think that all the talk around Mohamed Salah being unhappy. I mean, how could you be unhappy at Liverpool? The only thing you could be unhappy about is that is, is the weather in Liverpool. You can't be unhappy. The club loves you. You're playing well. You're winning stuff. You're with a competitive bunch of players who, for me... Winning the league is one thing, you know, but it seems like these players, these Liverpool players, they don't care that they've won the league. They still have the same hunger when before they won the champs in the Prem and they wanted to prove people wrong. So when you've got people that are still hungry, you're in the right place. But he has to wonder, does he want to try something new? Not sure how old he is, but I imagine he's in his late 20s. So there's always, you know, if he wants to try Spain and say, I've played for a Madrid and a Barcelona, as well as doing what I've done at Liverpool when he looks back in his career, then fair enough, we'll have to see people. It's an interesting one. I'm interested to see how Liverpool we will rebuild eventually, people, with a couple of players, but we'll have to see. On that note, I've enjoyed the 50-odd minutes we've been here, people, but all good things have to come to an end. If you're not tired of me, 
please make sure you check out my YouTube content, Deluded Guna on every on, on YouTube, Deluded Guna 04 on all my socials. Links are in the descriptions in regards to that. Please make sure you've hit the follow button on Spotify and the like button if there is one. And any subsequent buttons on all the other streaming platforms, make sure you're following across YouTube as well. That's where the bulk of content happens. Also, if you like YouTube for my live streams, make sure you're following me on Twitch, Deluded Guna 187. I'm on everything, people. Flick, chat, the rest of it. But for now, I'm out, man. It's been fantastic speaking to you guys, but deluded, I'm out, man. Please make sure you tune back in. We'll be back again on Friday, people. Well, the podcast will come out on Friday. It's sitting here on Friday, but people, DG, I'm out. God bless.